proper tired. I feel like Mumra in Thundercats, but not when he is like all shirtless and muscles, when he is all wearing a red dressing gown and covered in bandage. He was a proper scary villain. He was. Mumra the ever-living. Hatred spirits of evil. All of that shit. I was watching the intro the other day. I was watching one of those, which I'm sure every 80s kid has watched 10 or 15 times by now, the collections of all the TV intros. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Semi-regular viewing. Thundercats are on the loose. But we're not going to turn this into a music podcast this week, are we? No, no. Big <laughs> irony from last week's episode. Is it had the worst... Uh, the worst sound quality of any episode we've ever released <laughs> and no intro music either that yeah. that's it was justin's fault for being out of town meaning i <laughs> dealt with it meaning i had to sh- shovel that mess into a podcast shaped bag and hope for the best to be fair um partly my fault because the fact that i was still kind of moving gear between studios i was using a mic that i wouldn't usually use for the past couple of weeks and my Uh, voice was quite muffled i i think it's a real shame that we're not doing a music podcast again this week because since i did the topic list earlier and i saw that this is episode 222 i've not been able to get a song out of my head two 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 i want you in my room oh that's that's that tune is going. It's like eh, da, 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 want you in my ring. Let's spend the night together forever, from now until forever. I know the lyrics. Yeah, that one. Was that the Venga Boys? Yeah, it was the one good song they did. Uh, yeah, episode two two two. For some reason, got that tune into my head, and now I can't stop humming it. And I, it's not a song I particularly like or know the lyrics <laughs> to, but it's in my head now. I didn't care much for Venga Boys. Um, as I said last week, I've been listening to a lot of uh, late nineties, early two thousands, watching their music videos. The Venga Boys are boring. Once they once they lay down their central premise, they then harp on that point. It's like watching an episode of the Gymquisition. Uh, they have an idea and then they just keep banging on about it until I turn it off. So, yeah, I can't recommend the Venga Boys too much like Jim Sterling. Um, what else do I like? Pink. I've, I've become obsessed with Pink lately. Do you actually like video games, though, Jim? Do I actually like video games? Ne- I have never enjoyed a video game in my life. Yeah. Never. I don't even know what they are, really. I don't, I don't really know what video games are. I mostly watch Coronation Street. You just saw them getting popular and jumped on the bandwagon for clicks. Of course. Yeah. Because video games are where all the big money is, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I actually come up with all my opinions on video games by reading the back of the boxes, and then I have a dog <laughs> mash the controller for video footage. Yeah. And you watch Clean Prince gaming videos and make your opinions out of those. <laughs> exactly. I do those. I listen to that one. You read reviews and then say the exact opposite because you just, you know, you got to get those contrarian clicks. Yeah. Especially when they're games that haven't come out yet. If a game gets a 9, you give it the literal opposite score, like a 7. Yeah. Because 9 is the, the nine is the opposite of 7. <laughs> uh, and that's not feeling really saucy, then I just turn the 9 straight upside down. Oh, oh. And get things really spicy. I, I didn't know video game scores went that low. Oh, oh. they are whispered of in the crypts. I hear even IGN gave a 6 recently, a couple of 6s oh. recently. A six on IGN. I know that Anthem has become fairly acquainted with the number six. Uh, They've been getting very middle-of-the-road reviews. I I, I don't think I put it on the topic list, but it is easily Bioware's worst-reviewed game ever on Metacritic. 
Yeah. Which is not surprising necessarily. Well, I mean, if you take a studio outside of the stuff they're really talented at and make them do something that's never been in their wheelhouse and they've never shown an interest or an aptitude for that wheelhouse, uh, you're probably going to have your worst game. Unless you're um, the people who made Horizon Zero Dawn, then you've suddenly made your best game. Well, I mean, they, they, they showed an aptitude for it. They, they clearly were making the game they wanted to make. Whereas Anthem feels, I mean, maybe Bioware did want to make it, but it feels so by committee. It feels focus-tested, which EA's done before. I mean, I'm sure some of you listening remember the Fuse debacle uh, and what they turned Fuse into. Um, it, it's so watered down and designed to appeal to what marketers want. And I don't know how you can make good games with that. Oh, have either of you heard the fun, the, the 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 new controversy about Anthem? Yeah, I think this is what's taking 90 minutes to upload on YouTube. Yeah, it's breaking PS4s. Um, so this has been a thing that it's like rumblings on the internet have been about for a few days now, is that people were like, oh, when the game crashes and it does crash, my whole console is turning off and like having issues. Some people have had reports of their consoles being bricked by this game. Uh, less than 24 hours before we recorded this, uh, EA finally acknowledged the issue and put up a like official technical support info gathering thread. They've already had over a thousand people submit crash reports. Yeah, like for their console just turning itself off during crashes and like that's not behavior that it like a game shouldn't be able to crash your whole console yeah it's, it's able to switch consoles off make them feel like it's been um improperly turned off when they pull the plug on it i remember oblivion oblivion did that a few times to my xbox <laughs> yeah it's 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 not what you expect out of a AAA game from a studio that, like, knows how to make relatively polished games. Well, I mean, um, as I said in the video that YouTube's taken three hours to upload, um, <laughs> so it's not even up yet, but uh, as I said in that, um, bugs happen. Even disastrous ones like this, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, Anthem took six years to make. How could it have a bug like that? I'm not going to harp on it for that. These kind of things happen, and these days, with games that get updated all the fucking time, mm. any number of new issues could occur. It's still shitty that it's happened, and ridiculous that it happened. Yeah, yeah. But the angle I'm, I've, I've chosen to take with it is it backs up what I've been saying about how shit shows around these games are more entertaining than the games. Um, yeah. Anthem is turning into the next Fallout 76, and some people just want to put it down to a hate bandwagon. But there wouldn't be that big a bandwagon if people had a really good game to play. I compare this to Fallout New Vegas, where tons of bugs, crashes, freezes, lockups, the works. Fucking shit show of a game. What do people mostly remember it for? Being a fucking good game. Be it having Obsidian take the Bethesda model and turn it into a, a as close to a genuine Fallout experience as possible. Even at the time, people would look at the the bugs as a story, a big story, but 
running at the same time, balanced out by what a good game and it is and the kind of content that's in it and the missions and the story and the character. There's substance there. When you have these roadmapped games that won't be finished for like a year, people will fill that void of content with controversy because there's nothing else. Yeah, you, you, you put that very well. I, I remember the week New Vegas came out and it was really broken to the point where at times it became unplayable. Like, particularly when you got to the Vegas Strip and the missions there start being go between the, the two or three areas in the strip and the loading screens were like two minutes long each. And you were you were basically watching loading screens for eighty percent of the game for like yeah. some of it. This is on the consoles, obviously, but um, uh, I still remember that being one of the best ever weeks I had with a video game. Yeah, it was it was amazing fun, despite all the problems, because it was such a fantastic, just really well written, really great game. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we see here where Bethesda tripped up because. Because their games had so much content that got people excited and buzzed and talking about it, yeah. they were rather easily, perhaps too easily, forgiven for their games being technical disasters. And then they decided to get a, remove every, burn their get out of jail free cards with Fallout 76, and look what's happened. The bugs, the breakages, the fuck ups, that's all anyone has to talk about. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that is that is definitely a good take. It is. Thank you. It is a great take. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been a weird old week for. Uh, oh, there has been some controversy this week. Are you right if I bring up a couple of the other controversy things from this week? Uh, yeah. Would you Would you mind if while we're still in early doors? Yeah. I get positivity out the way because it is a fairly big game, and it's rare I get to talk about one that's. Uh, yeah, yeah. I get to talk about one that's not out yet. Um, we get that done and then move on to miserable things. Yeah. After uh, that as well, I have a quick thing to say about Metro after finishing it. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah, no, these are both games I, I, I have thoughts on. Go ahead. Right, so, it is my great pleasure to reveal that Devil May Cry 5 is shit and nowhere near as good as DMC. Only joking, it is the best Devil May Cry ever. It's really good, isn't it? It's the best one, though. It's so good. Here's, here's my takeaway so far is like, I have no idea what's happening, but I love every minute of it. It does get a little Kingdom Hearts-ish at points. It gets a little Kingdom Heartsy in places, but like, it's just really fun to run around and beat stuff up. It's so knowingly absurd it gets away with it. This one, more than any other DMC, reminds me of um, Suda51 inspiration. Yeah. Uh, especially notable when mid-level you find telephone boxes and phone up Nico and she arrives crashing in with her van in some hilarious <laughs> um, visual farce. It's so gleefully stupid, which is what made past Devil May Cry games so entertaining. And it's backed up by incredible games. I forgot. One forgets just how good a Devil May Cry game feels once you... A, like back into that groove and you started ranking up you know s's and triple s's and savage getting all that going it's brilliant yeah like this is the thing it's for me it took so little time to get into the groove of what makes this game's combat feel good like i remember back at gamescom in like august last year i play i got to play like 20 minutes of it and those kind of demos are like not great for like getting the to grips of complicated combat systems but i was like 
within 20 minutes with that game, I was like, oh, this feels good to play. This this is this is just nice. Everything chains together so satisfyingly. Yeah, the fluidity to that combat is amazing. And it shouldn't really work because some of the controls are a little bit... The, the physical button layouts can feel a little bit stodgy and awkward at times, but once you get into the groove of the combat, you barely notice until you're done and you realise just how badly your finger stings. Like, my fingertip on my right hand is fucked right now. But it was worth it. It was bloody worth it. I like that this game just has no pretense of any kind of realism. Like, when you're going around blowing up your arm to, like, do cool attacks, and then suddenly it's like, oh, it's fine, I'll find another prosthetic arm that fits me just behind the bar over there. Like, there's hundreds of them. Yeah, I don't care that there's hundreds of prosthetic arms around that, like, you know, is totally unrealistic. It means I get to blow mine up with more regularity. And, oh, like, yeah. I think that's what this game gets, is it doesn't focus on realism. It's just like, what's going to be fun? Let you do the fun thing. Yeah. Who cares if it's stupid? Let you have fun. Yeah. And impressively, they've managed to make three playable protagonists who feel very different, yet all feel like they belong in this game. And all of them are incredible fun. V takes a little getting used to, but once you've gotten used to them and bought up a few skills... So fun. Yeah. Nero, so fun. Dante is Dante. He doesn't need to be introduced, but... It's it's nice when a game with an ensemble playable cast like this that all play differently all feel just as polished as each other. Because, like, it's so easy in games like this for one of them to end up being, like, that's, that's the control system you, you kind of rush through a bit, but... No, they all feel really solid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so Nero has the Devil Breakers, the, uh, the the prosthetic metal arms that you can buy and find. And they every different design of arm has a different attack, and you can charge those attacks up, and they break all the time, depending on when you take damage and what you do with the arms. But, Jim, I thought you hated systems where weapons uh, break over time. I... I do. I hate weapon durability. This, however, this system, because it's not really weapon durability. You've got your weapon. I know. I'm. I know. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I. I over. Even when I know people are joking, for some reason, I have to explain it. I've confused Ian Boldsworth with that. No. No. It. I. I. No. I think. I think it's. I think it's really useful to explain it for people listening. Like. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. There is a great difference. Because on its surface, it does seem like a weapon degradation system. Yeah. Yes, and if a person on the internet was seen to contradict themselves over something, I would be, for one, absolutely furious beyond belief for some reason. Um, but yeah, yeah like, like, you know, Nero has the swords and the guns still, uh, but the, uh, the Devil Breakers are more like expendable, almost like ammunition in a way. Um, but it's an ammunition that you don't have to spend if you're smart, or if you just want to keep the special attack in reserve. Uh, they don't break yeah. after extended use. It's if mm. you fire the attack off and then you get hit, it'll break so you're punished for it. Or you can use the super powerful version, which will break it, but make sure you've got some in reserve. Or if you don't, you've still got a ridiculous number of attacks. Uh, the flexibility of the system is incredible. That's a galaxy brain moment right there. Durable weapons are ammunition. Yeah. But if you're galaxy braining it, you need to be durable weapons is ammunition. <laughs> uh, I never okay. thought about it that way before, to be honest. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it do, they, they're not treated as ammunition in certain games. I mean, I, I don't complain in games when I run out of ammo, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I do complain when my weapons break. So. Well, I mean, if, it, there'd be a big difference if a powerful gun that you just worked to unlock broke and you couldn't use it again. Yeah, it fell apart, yeah. Plus, plus, it's different in, in Zelda because you get this really lovely, cool sword and then you don't want to use it because it's going to be gone if you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is more akin to using certain items in, like, a Souls game or something that boosts attacks and stuff like that. Um, I mean, one of the best things about any Devil May Cry game is there are so many options. You can go through a whole level forgetting an entire string of attacks that were at your disposal. Yeah. Um, I've gone through levels so entranced with using the Devil Breaker's whip ability, you know, Nero's old whipping enemies towards you or whipping yourself mm. towards them. I got so enthralled with that and chaining that with sword swings and charged uh, gunshots. I've gone through a level before and realised I didn't use the Devil Breaker once. And then I compensate <laughs> the next one by using nothing but it uh, and doing things like throwing a big metal fist that flies around, punching them. And then I can call the rocket fist to myself and ride it like a fucking air skateboard rocket it's brilliant do you think that's a common problem for like i always find with these games that have a lot of combos and things in them that it's just too much for me to remember and i end up just using certain ones and kind of i would like to use the other ones but my brain just can't hold all that information well um it's not so much a problem in devil may cry i found because there is so much and yeah. you're encouraged with the ranking system to try different things. So you yeah. often just naturally stumble on something. But even then, if you really want it, uh, they have an assist mode that simplifies a lot of the really flashy stuff. So you can play it more like a regular action combat game. Um, but the game will sort of take the, the steering wheel and tweak the attacks. I've never really used it, so I don't know quite how it works, but it, it's sort of, basically, they simplify combos and stuff to such a degree, I think, that you don't have to worry, you don't have to stress over the input. Um, so they, they've got you covered, basically. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a, a nice little accessibility thing that doesn't really, uh, I, I don't think... Uh, affect the difficulty too much um it just yeah. makes the the input easier for you which is you know it, it's it, it upgrades the game's accessibility which is always good i'm always a fan of that it makes it easier to see all the cool flashy stuff that is honestly the reason why you're probably playing this game which is everything looks really cool yes the spectacle of it yeah we talked about how, last year how well the spider-man game did that how it let you do so much without overloading your brain with huge combos and yeah massive button presses and things i imagine the the assisted mode in devil may cry is similar ish to that i guess where yeah. it's just so much more streamlined but there is something to be said for the one-on-one -on -one, um input of doing it all yourself and, and just feeling so fucking cool when you nail it yeah is it as hard as the previous games i always find them quite tricky i don't feel it is I don't. They they've made it more forgiving. They they've yeah they they've streamlined some things. Um, there are these gold orbs that if you die you'll get resurrected with your your health back and everything, uh, and they are given away um, 
not super freely, but they're like hidden in levels with a degree of regularity. That mm. myself, you know, I've, I've always said I'm not great at video games. Um, and I'm often intimidated by Devil May Cry games. Uh, as much as I love them, there's always this sense of, right, gotta steal myself. Uh, whereas this one, I I don't know. I, I, I think it was a combination of the game being a little more forgiving than the other ones, um, with the exception of DMC, mm-hmm. um, but also just me going for it more because I've just—I guess I've been starved for games like this with so many fucking live servicey shits. I've played so many more standard open shooters, yeah, that are just factory standard. Whereas this was just—I I ran into it. And it's nice to have something kind of wacky in video gaming. There's, it's nice to have a balance between both. I mean, yes. We all, yeah. we all love ourselves a Red Dead Redemption, but it's nice to have something just silly and fun sometimes as yeah. well. And, and it, I, it's honestly made me better at playing Devil May Cry being so starved for Devil mm. May Cry. Like, I'm fighting <laughs> bosses and parrying and dodging and ducking and avoiding damage, and I never do that in Devil May Cry. <laughs> Not even DMC, which uh. is markedly easier than this one. Um, yeah. But I just, I couldn't, st- I just fucking went for it. And I haven't stopped going. Every time I fire that game up, I just fucking go for it. And it, it's, the I- elation is the word for it. Is it house? No, uh, Friday. Friday. Uh, elation is the word to describe this. You, In many challenging games, even the best of Bloodborne, the best of Devil May Cry prior, there have been moments where a particularly long fight has left me feeling, fuck, glad i don't have to do that again this one makes me want to grab a bottle smash it on a table and ram the jagged pieces around in the air saying who fucking wants some <laughs> dante fights with a motorbike two halves of a motorbike that he fuses together to ride around you can take the brit out of britain but you can't take britain out of the <laughs> one one thing i will throw in about that 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 difficulty discussion is that I, I feel like the game's very respectful of the player's time, and that ties in in some cases to things like the uh, those orbs for checkpointing. But it it feels like a game that wants you to progress and wants you to to see it through. Like it it doesn't relish in unnecessarily making you redo stuff that you've already done. Yes, and that definitely helped it to feel a bit more. Just reasonable to play through. Yeah, it's the kind of game where if you're taking damage, you don't feel discouraged. You just think, you rat fucking bastard, how dare you? How fucking dare you? I was this close to a triple S, you fucking prick. And then you go for it again. You start exploding your own arms or throwing motorbikes at people. Or summoning a fucking giant ball of black tar that runs around smashing stuff and making explosions happen v is really cool <laughs> it's it's such a rarity these days for uh, a game to respect your time yeah i feel incredible i feel incredible did either of you finish um far cry new dawn uh no i actually have been playing a fair bit of it last night and the night before i've been uh plowing through it some more i was enjoying it up until the final boss fight at which point I realized that if you haven't spent ridiculous amounts of time upgrading everything, you're going to have a really, really bad time in that boss fight because it yeah. sucks. Yeah. And I, it's weird. I don't associate Ubisoft games with frustrating uh, boss battles and especially not Far Cry. Yeah. But the final boss battles in this game, oh boy, they were not fun. <laughs> mm. 
Well, I'll see if I get there before I run out of steam. I'm running out of steam on so many games. Yeah. I, I've, I've, the regularity with which I played Apex has, has dropped off. They're, they want long tails on these games, but I, I, I always need to just move on. Um, Devil May Cry took my attention and held it. And yeah. I'm just so happy and a bit frustrated because I won't be getting a game of the year nod from me because they decided to throw in microtransactions as a fucking obligation. Um, it feels like such a, it feels like a con that they're even in there. Um, they're not even that much worth talking about just to say they're there and it's a fucking shame. Um, but the rest of it is just, it's a gorgeous beautifully animated and an animation that doesn't get in the way of the combat only really informs it um mm. encouraging game a game that is has its challenges but in a way that only makes you want to keep playing and you know if you take a lot of damage you feel compelled to course correct not give up just i can claw victory back from this and still you know get cool rankings and stuff if i'm really good from here on it's just they've nailed it they fucking nailed it and if anything i think the release of dmc between this and four has only sweetened the deal it's only sweetened the part mm. um and i knew it was coming i said at the time when dmc was upsetting everyone i'm like dude they're going to bring out a, another proper Devil May Cry and it will be hailed as a return to form and all of this and you'll be happy and everyone will get what they want. And here we are, everyone's got what they want, especially me, because I love DMC and I love Devil May Cry 5 even more. When you look at the um, quote-unquote big changes they made with DMC compared to what's happened recently with um, companies that people love their games... I just think, oh, you sweet summer children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dropping the bucket now, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. Like like when when that was the most outrageous change to a beloved series. <laughs> <laughs> he, what did they do? They changed his fucking hair color? No, they did uh, other things. They The, the combat was different. Yeah. And and it's hard to appreciate how quite how different it was because they were it shared a lot of the same DNA. I'm glad for everyone who's a fan of the series that this is not Devil May Cry open world survival online uh, yeah. games as yeah. a service. Well, I mean, I've got to tip my hat to Capcom. Um, I don't like some of the compromises they're making to just try and force little tiny live live elements into their games mm. like oh here's a login bonus for devil may cry 5 oh here's a store <laughs> option just fuck off uh, but when it comes to making straightforward honest to god fucking entertainment products not jobs not services fucking entertaining games capcom remastered on imusha put out an amazing remake with resident evil 2 and in my opinion has created a triumph with devil may cry 5 cap and it's only march capcom has just really been on the upward swing recently and we we, we were saying this when when re2 remake came out like mm -hmm. they've gotten a handle on what they're doing with a lot of their franchises like re2 like resident evils had a sort of real return to form with re7 the the remake of 2 um now devil may cry has come back and had just a really solid game it feels like not only are they making good games, but they've really sort of got their finger on what 
the audiences for those series want again and yeah that's that's a really good really good sign they just need to remember it for street fighter now and they'll be golden <laughs> yeah as much as i liked seven for its own unique experience um i would love to see them use the two remake as the template for the next one in the series oh i would love another game in that vein they nailed it i, w- I would love that as well but equally like R- re7 while it was a departure like it it wasn't a departure in the way that RE6 was, where it felt no. nothing to do with its series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would I would love either style of game again. Narratively, I felt this one did feel kind of separate in its own way. I mean, it's only in the last couple of minutes, really, that you meet any character from the, the actual overall series. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. But yeah, isn't, that's, a, that's a nice video game. That, that's one what you should maybe check out. It's, it's a good one. Yeah. Devil May Cry 5 is fucking great. And and I've yeah. been so unfocused in my ability to talk about it. The Jim Impressions video I've got coming up is is rambling because I'm, I'm so excited to talk about it. I've been playing it for like a week and I've been so pent up that now I'm just like, he's a bit of a motorbike. Are you looking forward to 15 people watching it and then like everyone watching your, your next negative one and saying <laughs> you're only ever negative? <laughs> it normally is about half. It normally is about half positive. Like you look at the Jim Inquisition Awards versus the top 10 shittiest games of the year. The discrepancy between the two. And then I get people, oh, do you even like video games? Uh, Well, yeah, if you pay attention. Uh, But yeah, Devil May Cry 5. Oh, chef kiss. It's it's good. And Capcom itself. Keep on what you're doing, Capcom. um, Because it's working. And, and hopefully it's translating to success. Like, yeah. I would imagine Resident Evil 2 has done pretty well. And so long as they so, so long as they have some realistic expectations for it, which they probably didn't, we're probably here <laughs> below expectations again. But it would be my firm hope that we don't. And that yeah. at least Capcom keeps this idea going that they seem to have of whenever they do underperform, they seem to want to think, okay... How can we change the game in terms of uh, how much more entertaining, enticing, interesting is it? Not, can we do what everyone else is doing? Can we nickel and dime the existing audience? Can we squeeze blood from a stone? Their approach seems to be, let's try something new and let's try and be entertaining. And at least in terms of creativity, they're killing it. Yeah. That's that's it's good. To, it's good to have a game that is good. Um, yes. So, Gav, do you want to do you want to talk about your your game you've been playing a bit this week? You've been doing a bit more Metro. I finished Metro, and this is simultaneously a good thing and also a criticism of the game. Um. So you know, um, particularly Jim, I think you were feeling like you kind of got bored with the whole open world aspect of it i just didn't feel like the the pacing was and the controls were suited to it well here's the thing about this game the pacing in this game is all off and here's the funny thing so you get your open you it starts linear you get your open world area then you get another open world area and then the game gets completely linear for like the last 10 hours and i was not expecting that and i was pleasantly surprised because i thought i like when you get to the forest um, it's not. It's still quite wide, but it's scripted and it's straightforward, and you move forward all the time. There's no kind of uh, like there's little caves you can find to the side. But then the last couple of hours of the game, 
Like, it's all underground in the metros again. And I was kind of thinking maybe they should have paced this slightly differently and put more of that kind of stuff earlier in the game so that people who loved the old ones weren't kind of turned off by how slow the open world sections uh, were. Yeah, because I was completely t- turned off. My, my, I, I had not a moment's fun with it. And, and and yeah, and the last, I will say there's, like with every Metro game, there were some frustratingly difficult sections in those last few Metro areas. But uh, it was so brilliantly, like, it was just like the old ones. You know, there were really cool moments where you're finding these new kind of things and just moving forward in a straight line, getting told a story, you know. And, and I, I really... I almost regret that they only put that in at the end because because uh, I think a lot of fans of the series might have been turned off before they got to that point, you know? Yeah, like, I didn't stick with the game long enough to find that out. Yeah. Ah, huh, yeah, that's just... That's that's an odd choice. It's I still, like, I'm different. I, I enjoyed it all the way through. But that was, yeah. a, that was, like, an extra bonus when I got to the end to have that really, like, linear few hours of just good old-fashioned metro game you know yeah can can we maybe go back to that for the next one yeah i think a nice mix between the two or maybe just pace it better yeah you know pace it so that people know this game also has this style of gameplay in it like they did have linear sections in the intro but they were all very script kind of um set pc and they did have one in the middle like the cannibal section but that was kind of very high octane action call of duty style sequence and uh, well, I don't know, not Call of Duty, but it was high octane action. And then the last couple of hours of the game are where you get your quiet, wandering storytelling parts. You know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I I highly recommend the game, but I'm not gonna make Jim play it again because I know you just <laughs> did not enjoy it at all. I got not the time or the patience right now. Yeah. Why would you play it when there's Devil May Cry to play? I mean, yeah. exactly. I'm honestly... Because they gave me an Xbox One code, but oh, that controller's murder on my finger, and also it's just more convenient to have things on my PS4 these days. I'm considering getting it for that to replay it again, which I would happily do, because I am... Yeah. I, I've been replaying levels to record and stuff, and I've been more than happy to keep playing them. There's like some levels I played like three or four times by now. Happy to do it again. It's that much fun. Happy to do it again. Uh, so away from happy games of uh, good <laughs> people enjoying games talk. Yeah. Oh, video game industry nonsense this week. Yeah, let's uh, point out because I'm sure people wondered. We recorded last week on Tuesday, which we're doing again today. So if anything yeah. happens on Wednesday, we won't know about it. So we didn't know yeah. about Pokemon or other things. <laughs> well, can I just say on the Pokemon one, Nintendo, I'm certain they follow up, they, they somehow know when we record this because. Normally they do all their announcements on a Thursday, except the week that we record a day early, and they announce a day early. Like, they mm-hmm. always make their announcements just after we record. I feel like it's a conspiracy. It's purely to fuck with us. Yeah. The ghost of Reggie. Yeah, so, quick Pokemon thing. Pokemon Sword and Shield got announced. They appear to be set in England, which has spawned some amazing UK-related memes. I've been very much enjoying Scottish Pokemon trainer memes. Oh, yeah. I saw some of those. Very nice. Yeah. There's there's some good ones of those around. Uh, 
the the main thing that like I'm kind of disappointed by what we saw in that trailer because it looks like they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater on stuff from Let's Go, and I get it. Like they don't want people to go, oh, it's another not core Pokemon game, but. There are some changes in Let's Go that have got me to stick with that for like hundreds of hours on my shiny hunt. Like, yeah, the just the lack of overworld visible Pokemon, that alone feels like a real step backwards. Yeah, I'm gonna get it. I'm probably gonna enjoy it a lot. Oh yeah, same. But I don't think I'm gonna be as like obsessed with it as I was with Let's Go for that period of time. Well, the thing is, is like. It it looks like it's having all the all the generations of Pokemon again, so it's going to go back to a world where catching them all is like unfeasible, probably. <laughs> yeah, just certainly unreasonable. Yeah, and it's it's I'm not going to be able to do my shiny end game the way I enjoyed it in Let's Go. Like I will play it. I will probably do what I do with most Pokemon games with this. I will play it through to the end of the story and then stop. We'll see. Maybe they'll sell me. Maybe yeah. But right now I'm just like. Yeah, it looks alright. I, I, like, I'm glad that you can battle wild Pokemon again, that's nice, but I wanted to be able to see stuff on the overworld. That was a real nice yeah. change. Yeah, uh, other bits of news that we didn't get to talk about. I just love, I love that the new Nintendo guy's name is Bowser. How perfect is that? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, next, next we'll have Activision hiring Jonathan Gambling. <laughs> My favourite thing about Doug Bowser is the first official photograph of him working at Nintendo. You could see in the background, uh, he had little toys of Mario and Luigi tied up together yeah. as if like, yeah. you know, back to back on the railway tracks. And I'm like, oh, Bowser. Yeah, uh, other bits of news that happened, like, after we recorded last week. Shall we talk about THQ Nordic? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Do I, can, I, can I go for a nap? Because, like, I heard two gaming dramas this week, and I was just like, I don't want to even know. <laughs> I just don't. I just can't. There's too much stuff. I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fair. I can't blame you for not wanting to engage with this one. We'll give you a shout when we're done. Yeah. So I did a Jimquisition on this as an extra because I, I like my Mondays and I like having fun entertaining videos out on Mondays. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to spend all weekend not to looking forward to getting a Jimquisition up. So I'll throw this one up on Thursday and just deal with all the bullshit, um, which I did. But yeah, this is... Some people disagree with me on this. I think it's one of the biggest PR blunders in video games. Yeah, no. Like, I, I will say this. For anyone who doesn't know about this story, um, any story where your company has to issue a statement saying, we definitely don't condone child pornography. Yeah. That's a, that's a move you are going to struggle to come back from. You've stepped in a bucket of shit in marketing terms. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this... This, this is you've walked you've gone into waters from which there's no rubbing the stink off yeah so quick summary of what happened uh thq nordic they have been acquiring a bunch of studios recently they publish a lot of interesting looking like mid-tier games and they decided to do an ama but not on like reddit or twitter or anywhere you would expect it they did it on a place called 8chan now, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, I'm thankful, like, you live in your ignorance. Um, 
you, you know how 4chan existed and it's basically the internet's corner for like edgy people that are like, yeah, it's fun to fuck with people and ruin people's lives and just be shitty edgelords. 8chan is the place for like people who go, hmm, 4chan's not edgy enough for me. I need more Nazis and more pedophilia and like that we want to go to 8chan. Why? Why on earth? THQ Nordic would have thought this was a good idea. I cannot. Well, that was the thing. They tweeted out, oh, we're doing an AMA here and we don't know why. Yeah. To which my response was, that's the only question anyone should be asking at this AMA. You need to have a reason why. You need to tell us why, because this is such an absurd... They're mostly associated with child abuse content and fascism. What should have happened is they've gone, oh, we've been asked to do an AMA on this place that we've never heard of. Let's do a quick Google search. Ha! I can't actually find this place on Google because Google won't host results to it because they're like, no. Like, that should have been your clue. If Google won't touch this place, you don't want to touch it. And even then, like, you... Its reputation precedes it, and if you do find things about it, you will find reports on what it's like. Um, yeah. But but they seem to be like, do we trust the, all of these corroborated reports, or Mark, who said it was fine? Mark, Mark from 8chan, who said the place is alright. Oh. Like, there's nothing else to say about this. It's, it's amazing. It took them, like, four days to issue, like, a proper official apology, because, like, initially it was just tweets that were like, Oh, sorry, we didn't know. Um, yeah. Well, they didn't even take any responsibility for it. All they did was posted a quote from that um, Philip Brock, the marketing guy at THQ, so that they could, as a company, try and distance themselves from it and isolate it on one person, who we haven't heard of as having suffered a penalty for it, having lost their job or anything. So THQ Nordic is still very much tied into this, despite them trying not to. And then, yeah, after four days of burying their head in the sand, they put out this purely corporate apology that was clearly intended more for shareholders than anyone else. Just, oh, we don't condone this stuff, we don't agree with this stuff, mistakes, mistakes, due diligence, all the usual shit, we'll be better in future, but with no actual explanation as to how it happened, um, what's what's happened about the people who are responsible, what steps they'll take to ensure that something this Hmm. utterly boneheaded doesn't happen. I don't know how a mistake like this happens without it being something a little bit more purposeful than a mistake. I I wish I knew, but it's a real shame because I was looking forward to uh, a few of their things. Uh, Yeah. My interest in their products, it's just completely tanked, and that's bad for studios who have signed on with THQ and found themselves lumped in with this because this is, you know, some people still fire back with, oh, well, it worked. You're all talking about THQ Nordic. Yeah, we're not really... uh, talking about them in positive terms and no not all publicity is good publicity mm. and aside from the public relations disaster the intercompany relations have been soured developers who feel disgusted and and don't want to be associated with with any of this and didn't ask for any of this but who are locked into contracts now yeah anyone associated with THQ Nordic is fucked by this yeah. or at least you know taken some of the splash so no this was not yeah. a good idea in any way uh so other things that happen in games this week uh assassin's creed odyssey 
you know that that DLC they released a while back where you are forced to settle down and have a biological child and like that was a whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they released their much, you know, much lauded patch where they'd like spoken to to like LGBT rights organizations and they were they were going to fix it. It was definitely going to be right this time. It's not. I mm, I played I played through it. They added like two lines of dialogue that really don't change anything. Uh you still like here's the two changes that I'm aware of. Um when you start the the this bit of quest that that no matter what you pick will still lead to settling down having a family. You have two options. One of them is like you should stay, one's you should go. They put a heart next to one of them and that would suggest that that one's the romance option. That, like, if you want to have a romance, pick this. Pick the one that doesn't have a heart. You still end up in family life, domestic, whatnot. Uh, and you get one sentence you can throw away, like, toward the end of an interaction where you're like, I did this more for preserving my, line- uh, my lineage. But everything around it is still... It still feels... It's still written entirely as a as a romance. There is no way to read it other than, than these are people who love each other and are living together because they love each other and they're good. Learning too deep is the problem. It's already written. You can't... Yeah. They, they, they'd have to redo the whole thing. So I, I see... And they weren't even going to patch in a bit of dialogue originally. Oh, I know. But, like, it it's still, like... it The amount they, they hyped this up and then it's like... No, you still end the DLC. Like, there's... Everything is still completely set up yeah. like a romance, and it's still... Like, I, I played my Cassandra completely, like, yep, she's gay, she's a lesbian, like, that. that is her. It still feels like a real betrayal of the character as I've been playing them, which was just like, ah, move from woman to woman, it's fine, just have yeah. fun. This is what happens. This this should never have been a pro- an issue in the first place. But Ubisoft, before the games, the full games release, wanted those brownie points yeah. of oh, we won't force a relationship. You can be whoever you well, want. And yeah. then they decided, oh wait, we've painted ourselves into a corner, and we're apparently not creative enough to come up with any other way out of this issue than f- sod it, they fuck. Yeah, she's a demigod, immaculate conception. Your sibling has a kid instead, and they carry on the lineage. There you go. There are so many ways you. Could could write around it relative, yeah. like blood relations in in you know other si- situations just all sorts of things up to and including just plain magic yeah maybe your parents had another kid y- your parents had another kid you didn't know about in the next dlc i want to be able to run around and climb up statues while heavily preggers <laughs> that would be that would be something um but yeah it, it just it's fundamentally a a conflict between wanting their cake they want to have their cake and eat it too they want to be both a choice based game where you can role play your character and you can choose what kind of person they are but they also then want to make decisions about what kind of person your character is and playing through that DLC even post patch it still feels to me like they've said of my character like it feels like they're saying of my character yeah she was gay until she found the right man to settle down with and that's not nice. Yeah. And I still don't get the people who claim this wasn't an issue when it seemed perfectly reasonable that people were pissed off whenever Mass Effect impacted their Shepherd or their choices. Yeah. Uh, it's no different. There is no difference 
this is people being told they have a choice and then the choice being made for them. Yeah. That's exactly what happened with people's grievances with Mass Effect. But because it's gay content, yeah. now it's all about developers' artistic vision. Gay content's not real content. Just like how it's fun to bag on asset flips all day long, but as soon as one of them's racist, suddenly they all deserve to be on Steam. I yeah. see it. I fucking see you, people. Yeah. You're not... Do you think you're being crafty? No. It's so obvious. It's just tiring, honestly. Like, uh, it's, it, it really does just feel like LGBT characters in media are so often put there to be, here is a bullet point, but we're not going to make it canon. We're not going to make it some... We're going to make it something that people can deny, or we're actively going to write it out of the story later. Yeah. Well, I, I called it reverse queerbaiting. Sort of the opposite of a work being done, and then... Uh, you know, someone going, oh no, what did I call it? Hetconning. That was it. I loved that term. It was brilliant. Yeah. Hetconning is a great phrase. I am a big fan of that phrase. But yeah, like it's, it's hard not to make it look like, oh, your character is gay by your choice, but we're going to decide in the end they're straight. And they could have avoided any of this conflict by being more careful. When you decide to make them even just appear straight by the end of a narrative, it just fuels this really toxic narrative that we get about LGBT people so often, which is, you're only that until you realise that you're not. Yeah. And, yeah, that's a shame. Um, yeah, and I've been in that position of being told that, and it's not fun. No, it really isn't. Um, other bits of news, get this one out of the way quickly, Plague Inc., uh, that game about <laughs> trying to create a disease that will uh, eradicate all life on Earth, they added uh, anti-vaxxers as a buff <laughs> that would help your disease kill off the planet. Uh, which is beautiful, and I love it, because, like, mechanically, that's what anti-vaxxers do. If you yeah. stop people immunising themselves to disease, disease spreads faster. They bring back diseases yeah. that were beaten off. It's amazing. Exactly. Anti-vaxxers are the worst. Actually, they're not the worst. They're like, they're like the turfs of medicine. Uh, they well, no, like they they are the worst. I would say in that, like, diseases that were gone are coming back and having epidemics. Like, it's gotten to the point that the World Health Organization has put parents refusing to immunize their children as like one of the greatest global issues for health there is. Yeah, it's a real problem. Yeah, yeah. Anti-vaxxer parents are genuine fucking health. Like dangerous health risks. Yeah. And they should be treated as such, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm all for this, this wonderful addition. I'm like, that's good. That's some good social commentary right there. But funny, funny, funny fact. Uh, the people that are always going on about like, yeah, more realism, you know, accuracy in games. They're, they're not happy about it. The game is getting just like absolutely review bombed. By anti-vaxxers who were like, "Oh, How many anti-vaxxers are there? Apparently enough to, to review bomb the game. Well, I wonder how many of these are anti-vaxxers in good faith, or they're doing it because it's... Edgy and funny. It, like most stupid things, it's lumped in with the right wing. Yeah, I've it's... noticed some... I saw some people calling Plague Inc. an SJW game now. It's, it's nothing to do with social justice. Anti-vaxxers are medical risks. You scientists and your elitism. Yeah, it... It's it's weirdly become this like ooh ooh vaccinations are a lefty lefty thing. I'm like, really, really. You can get anything you want if you just fucking segregate it like that. Can we introduce them to flat Earth and get them interested in that instead? 
Because, like, at least the flat earthers won't kill us all. Yeah, exactly. The worst they'll do is kill themselves trying to find the edge of the earth. Yeah, when they fall off it. <laughs> because it definitely exists. Wake up, sheeple. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, the earth's flat. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that on the news thing, there was one other bit of news I wanted to throw out quickly, which was, uh, I just thought this was a funny story. Uh, on the Titanfall subreddit, a year ago, someone leaked Apex Legends. Uh, they were like, hey, Titanfall, t- I- I've heard the Titanfall team are making a battle royale. Here is the map, the the map of the game. The map's 100% accurate, we, we know in hindsight. And he got 14 comments, most of which either didn't believe him or were very dismissive. And the Titanfall subreddit found this post a year later and have just been throwing Reddit gold at this person, being like, we're sorry. I just thought this was like a funny little story. I like that it has a nice ending. Yeah. The, 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 the person who was shouted down. As someone, I don't know, I've got this affinity with people who are right about something and then told that they're really wrong um, oh, mm, constantly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then later yeah. it turns out that they called it. Yeah, um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, I like seeing the, the end of this story. It's almost like we know someone who has had that happen a few times. Maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> I, I just enjoy a story where people out of the blue go, oh, you were right a year ago. Let's praise you for that. That's a nice story. Um, so, couple of games bits that I've played this week. Uh, I won't stick on any of these too long. Um, Pokemon Go. I almost lost my account this week, and I had a bit of a minor panic about that. Mm. Uh, so... To make a long story short, I lost access to an old email address and suddenly just could not log into my Pokemon Go account. And I've been playing this game daily for like two and a half, three years. I was like, the the main thing that kept, that started going through my mind when I didn't think I could log into this account was, oh god, there is no way I'm going to replay this because it's it is very much a games as service. It's a very social game. So much of my experience is catching these things for the first time, where it all feels new and exciting, um, doing raids and things at the same time as everyone else, being part of all the events that happen. I was like, if I have to replay this, it's just going to feel like a chore, and I'm probably not going to do it. Um, It took about five days to sort the issue, and ultimately it wasn't solved by Niantic. Um... I managed to temporarily get this email address sorted so that I could get back into the game and like change over my credentials, but it was... I hadn't realised quite how close I was to just like losing years of investment in a digital game. I was genuinely worried for you because I know exactly how much you invest in that. Like we hear about it on this show a lot, so like we've we've been with you as you've done this. Yeah, it's I I know it's like not either of yours thing, but it's it's a game that has kept me playing daily and like I've it's a free to play game that I've spent money in because I feel like Niantic deserve my money. They have created a game that has become a constant part of my life and it it felt very odd having this realization of oh, my login just doesn't work. I guess that's two and a half years of investment in this just down the toilet. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure if I have anything else to add on that. Like, it it made me realise the impermanence of 
some of these, like, I knew on paper the impermanence of some of these, like, digital games as a service type games. This is the first time that it felt very real that, like, oh, yeah. I might invest years into a game and it just not be there for me. It's a wake-up call. Yeah. And there's so much that, that of ourselves or things we've made or done or earned or unlocked in games, whatever. Um, not just games, I mean, just all sorts of things that only exist for as long as they're hosted somewhere, for as long as something that's out of your hands keeps happening. Yeah, exactly. Like, there are so many ways that these games can suddenly just be gone. And that's that's a whole thing. Um, yeah. Nowadays, more than ever, of course. Yeah. Where, you know, physical records of these games existing uh, can be non-existent at times. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I played a bit of that new Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. I never understood the original games. Is this one like those? Uh, okay, it's it's kind of like those, but a lot more user-friendly. They A lot of the things that just felt awkward and janky about the original like, are, are improved. Um, I never got the appeal of Toe Jam and Earl until I was playing it with someone else in, in multiplayer. Um, for anyone who doesn't know the series, it's been around like decades now, and... You play a pair of, like, 80s aliens wandering around maps trying to clear areas and get bits of your shit back together. You can't really attack anything, but humans will try and hurt you, and it's all about, like, getting your shit back together. It's... I think it's... This new one, uh, it fixes a lot of issues with regards to the game feeling sluggish, with regards to not being able to tell when you're going to collide with things because of your sort of paper-thin depth. It adds a lot of additional content in there. It, it basically... I think it makes the game feel... I wouldn't recommend people go back and play the early Toe Jam and Earls at this point because, like, they've aged poorly, but this captures the idea of when these games worked and sort of builds that, like, picture that people have in their head of how this game is supposed to be. It's a lot of fun. It, it's very silly and wacky, but I've been having a lot of fun just wandering around with my girlfriend and finding, finding bits of spaceships. Good. There's probably nothing in there that's going to, like, change <laughs> your mind if you actively really dislike the old ones. But if you were just like, oh, this is a bit sluggish and clunky, that that gets fixed. Okay. Uh, the other two games I wanted to very quickly throw things out for was um, I, I started playing a game that like I've been a little excited for um, called Dulac and Fae Dance of Death the, it's, a, it's an adventure game very narrative heavy that's about being uh, Lancelot and Morgana Fay, who were sort of displaced from time who've ended up in Victorian England during the Jack the Ripper killings and you're trying to trying to navigate mysteries in in Victorian London, and while the writing is like, I I was really excited about this because I I spoke a lot to the developers ahead of getting to try it, and their passion for accuracy and debunking myths around Jack the Ripper was really interesting. In practice, um, he, here's how I will sum up my my disappointment with the game at least at preview is i spent a lot of time talking to their developers about how uh, mary kelly is one of the victims of jack the ripper 
And they were like, oh, no, no, she always gets misrepresented. And we, we feel like we've done a really good, accurate job of, like, you know, bringing a more true-to-life version of the character to this game. She's got magic powers in this game. And I'm like, that's not what you were selling me. This is this is not the, the, the attempt at a realistic retelling of this person's life that I thought I was getting. What, you mean they didn't have magic powers in real life? Appar- apparently, she couldn't in real life, like, predict the future. Apparently she couldn't hmm. do that. You'd think if she could predict the future, she could, you know, avoid getting killed by Jack the Ripper, but apparently not. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to reread the history books on that one. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was uh, a game called The Occupation, which I played a bit of uh, probably about six months ago. Um, it, it's a sort of sneaking game where you're playing a reporter trying to uncover things that are going on with the government it's a lot of stealth mechanics and puzzle solving and oh so it's it's the worst part of spider-man an entire game (laughs) (laughs) i here's the thing it was a vaguely promising concept when it was like i first played it but my big problem six months ago was yeah this game's buggy as hell like ui uh elements of the ui will just drift out of position not where they're supposed to be you would fall through floors and just be trapped in rooms you could not escape. It was badly buggy. Like, I tried, like, four times to get through their preview build, and every time I came across a bug that just completely stopped my progression. And I was like, well, you know, give it six months, it'll probably be better. It's not. I'm still falling through floors into rooms that that shouldn't exist, and not being able to click on things because the game thinks the item is like to the right of where it actually is. And that's a real shame because I really was digging the the narrative that was going on. Well, yeah, that, that game had my attention. I, I heard about it today, actually. Yeah. I know press has been about it. Here's the thing. If, if they can patch it and fix the, the bugs, it still seems like a really interesting game. Just right now, I can't recommend it. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. That's a shame. Uh, anyone else got anything else for this week? No. Just very, very sad to see Reggie go. <laughs> I ain't got anything to give anyone ever in general now. I'm so tired. I think I've got proper medical grade exhaustion. I need to go into a triage. Should we let you go and have a sleep then, Jim? Go into a triage, please. <laughs> that, that Game of Thrones trailer looks, uh, looks exciting. That was pretty much the uh, the most eventful cultural moment of my week. <laughs> I ain't seen that yet. Game of Thrones trailer. Yeah, just came that out up today. when we're done here. Yeah. Fucking yes. Clegane Bowl at last. <laughs> We've been re-watching them before the last season, and uh, it's actually amazing how much less stressful of a watch it is second time round, because you're not like <laughs> praying to God your favourite character doesn't die. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you already know they probably do, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Is that is that it for us for this week? I reckon. I think so. I think so. Laura, how can people how can people find out more of your things from the internet that you have done? My things. Uh, you can find me Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. You can find me on Kotaku.co.uk. I'm doing a. I'm still doing my big series of traveling around the UK and reporting on games what are made in places. You can find me on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is a podcast I do with my fiance, where we just do silly voices and skits and catch up on our weeks and just try and have a bit of a laugh. 
And uh, Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, and five. They're all self-contained uh, s- stories. Uh, anything else? Books. I've still got books coming out. Uh, Uncomfortable Labels and Things I Learned from Mario's Butt are both books that will come out. You can you can put money down for them if you want. <laughs> I think that's it. Alrighty. And Gavin, uh, you do wonderful music, which I've been re-listening to a bit recently. I re-listened to Fire's Fade, mm-hmm. I said on Twitter the other night. Um, great. Uh, still fucking great song. Uh, but how can people listen to that and other music's what you do? You can find my songs on YouTube under Miracle of Sound, and you can also find them on Spotify, on iTunes and Google and all the good places, all under Miracle of Sound. You can follow me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound, and if you would like to help keep me in a job, you can support my Patreon under the same name. Alrighty. Uh, all that remains to be said is thank you so much for listening, sharing, and, and all of that stuff. Um, do check out me other podcasts, what we've started up. It's on iTunes and Spotify and all those places now. It's called Boston's Favourite Son, starring myself, Conrad Zimmerman, and Jonathan off Road Rules. Um, at the time of recording, there'll be episode two up um so that'll be up by the time this goes up and that's it i'm gonna go and have a bit of a lie down now and uh we'll see you next week bye bye, bye.